Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Unbashful. I am your host, Nicholas Doucette. I want to thank you for stopping by here for episode 43. Wow, we are just racking up there, getting up there in these episodes. Time is flying. I hope you're all doing well. Hope you're happy and healthy and safe and everything in between. There is quite a few exciting things that I want to talk about here today in regards to the movie, television, media sphere. And we're going to kick it off with DC. I don't really talk about DC that much on this channel here because just for the simple fact that I have not been very interested or very kind of excited for the things that DC has been doing. Don't get me wrong, The Batman, still I think probably my favorite film of this year, and you know, Joker, things like that. But that also, like therein lies the problem at the same time because with Marvel, they have their cinematic universe and DC attempted to start a cinematic universe several years ago with Zack Snyder and all of them. And then it all kind of fell apart. And ever since then, you know, they've sort of been having this kind of identity crisis, right? Some of their films are are in the cinematic universe. Some of their films are maybe cinematic universe adjacent, like, of course, the Batman, the Joker. These are great films, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I, 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 I kind of want to see them flesh out, excuse me, as I was saying, I, you know, I, I would like to see them kind of flesh out this cinematic universe. And I think with Black Adam, which is what I'm about to uh, discuss next, I think that we're finally starting to see that Warner Brothers is making it a priority to kind of bring the cinematic universe together in a cohesive way. And, you know, they're not copying Marvel. They're kind of setting their own path, which I think is the right thing to do. And I think that they rushed into the Justice League far too quick. Um, I personally believe that, like, look, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And I'm referring to the approach that Marvel took. You know, you gave three, three of their Avenger characters, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. You gave three of them their first solo films, introduced their worlds, introduced the characters that that are around them, the supporting characters, introduce them, introduce, you know, their sort of nuances and things like that. And then you kind of, you know, plant the seeds, lead the breadcrumbs. Then you eventually team up to that film. Whereas with the Justice League, we pretty much only got two films, right? We got, of course, Superman, and then we got Batman v Superman. So really it was almost like one and a half films because we got a new Batman at that time, but we, we didn't get a solo Batman film. They, you know, they did enough to kind of flesh out that character of, you know, the Ben Affleck iteration. And, you know, we all know the the Batman origin story, you know, Martha Thomas Wayne. They get shot in Crime Alley, so on and so forth. Um, and I feel like they just rushed into that too quick. And then, of course, when they made Justice League, everybody knows what happened with, you know, Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder. I'm not going to hash it out, but let's just get into Black Adam. So... Black Adam, I think, is a step in the right direction for where DC wants to go moving forward. Throughout this film, many, many times, there are, there's like 20 or 30 references to other characters. You know, when we see the the kid character in the film, we're in his room and, and you can see he's got Batman posters, he's got Flash posters, he's got comics, he's got action figures. So they're clearly, and but the one thing that I want to address first is the fact that there was actually quite a few references to Batman, which does surprise me because... In terms of their cinematic universe, Batman has has been the one biggest question mark. We have Robert Pattinson, but we know Robert Pattinson's Batman, at least not for the foreseeable future. He will not be a part of this 
cinematic universe moving forward. We know that that, that universe is, that's a whole cinematic universe in and of itself, right? We, we're going we're gonna to address some actual Batman spinoff news um, later in the podcast here. But Batman specifically, because he is a very pivotal character in this universe, you need a Batman you need Batman, of course, is the one who pretty much oversees the Justice League, brings the characters together. He's kind of like the brains of the organization. So you do need a Batman. I mean, you can have a Justice League without him in a, you know, cinematic universe movie form. But, like, people are going to want to see Batman interact with Flash, interact with Aquaman. And the fact that there's a couple references to Batman does lead me to believe that Warner Brothers has some plans in store, whether they decide to bring Ben Affleck back to play the character uh, full-time. Um, I mean, I have my reservations about that. Or if Michael Keaton is coming to you know to, to play the character full-time, there has been a lot of rumors about that as well. We do know that we're going to see him in The Flash. So while we may not know that answer, um, definitely, it does seem like Warner, Brother, Warner Brothers has a plan in store for that character. So that's nice. Um, so yeah, lots of references to other characters in the DCEU, and I think the biggest connection would probably be uh, towards Shazam. Now, I'll be honest with you, I have not seen the Shazam movie, um, but I've done my research, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong for those of you who have seen it, but I, I do know that the gods that were in the Shazam film that gave Shazam that specific power were also in this film, Um to, to, to sort of give Black Adam's power. And if Black Adam wants to go back to his original form, he has to still say that same word, Shazam. So, of course, there's that connection there. And, you know, we will, of course, address the Superman, um, the Henry Cavill post-credit scene. I mean, I think at this point, it's not even a spoiler. Most people watched the post-credit scene before the film even came out. I'm one of those people. Uh, I watched it before it came out just because I'm not, like... Like I said, I, I haven't been as intrigued and as hooked with DC as I am with Marvel. And it, it's sad because I love both sides of the comic book spectrum. I love DC and I love Marvel. Batman is my favorite superhero of all time. But Marvel has been, for the last 10 years, my favorite collection of superheroes to watch on screen. But I, I've, I've been interested in, 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 uh, in both sides. But like I said, DC has kind of had this sort of, you know, they've been directionless. It doesn't really seem like there's there's some kind of big event that they're building towards with, with, you know, of course, the Marvel films. We know that there's the Kang Dynasty, there's Secret War. So, you know, we have a sort of end goal in sight to look forward to. But, and and, and even as of recent, you know, the, you want to talk identity crisis, the new Warner Brothers leadership has come in, the old leadership was gone. Like, when you think of Marvel you know who the leader of the operation is in terms of, you know, productions. It's Kevin Feige, right? And if you think of DC, you know, unless you're someone like me uh, or people that are very heavily um, involved in the film, you know, comic book world community, you probably won't be able to think up, you know, think off the top of your head, who is the kind of main leader of the DCEU? Um, I mean, you could think of maybe Walter Hamada, even though he just left recently. Uh, there was Toby Emmerich, but he's gone now. Jason Collard. So all of those guys are gone. And the new owner of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, David Zaslav, has expressed that the priority moving forward is to make DC a main player in the comic book genre. I mean, those aren't his exact words, but that's you know basically what he's 
what he's echoed. He's he's explained that we want to focus on the main IPs, the main characters that all most audiences are familiar with, right? Before that announcement happened, it seemed like DC was kind of diverting sort of to the sides and introducing these more obscure characters, which is fine. You can do that. But I feel like that's something you should do afterwards once you've had your main staple characters established and in the universe. That's what Marvel did. That's why Marvel didn't introduce the Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant-Man until several years after we were introduced to Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, etc. Um, so now that we're seeing that Henry Cavill is back as Superman... We have the Flash film coming soon, even though Ezra Miller is probably going to get recast. We have Wonder Woman still. Um, like I said, Batman seems to be still a player in this universe. And now we have Henry Cavill returning. And now we have Black Adam and Shazam So and Aquaman. <laughs> so you can start to see that they're starting to make these films a priority. And they're almost going to maybe do like a soft reboot of the Justice League. Take their time, build up to that, not rush into it. Because... Look, if you're DC, and I know that 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 this isn't their thought process. I'm sure that they're 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 well aware that we will not catch Marvel. We will not even come close to Marvel in terms of you know their cinematic universe success as of right now. We have to sort of just you know mind our own business and focus on ourselves and build our own cinematic universe, and then our success will come in due time. And I think that's what they're doing. They seem to be taking their time. You know, building out, fleshing out these films. David Zaslav said in the earners call, the investors earners call, that we're not going to release films that aren't ready. We will take our time. If we have to delay them six times, we will do so until we are confident that the films are ready to be shipped in front of audiences in theaters, rolling on screen. So anyways, I am getting so off track. Let's get back to Black Adam. So in terms of the story, you know, we have, I think his name is Teth Adam in the film, The Rock's character. He, you know, he, he gets summoned from his tomb. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's back in Kondok and in, in, in present day and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And then there's this threat of the JSA. And let me talk about the JSA for a sec because I really, really enjoyed uh, the JSA. I, I like Cyclone. I feel like she was probably the character that wasn't given enough screen time or enough kind of awe moments of some of these other characters. But I liked uh, Adam Smasher. Uh, I really, really liked Hawkman and I loved... Dr. Fate. Of course, there is quite a few comparisons with Dr. Fate and Dr. Strange, um, but I actually think they're, 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 they're pretty different in terms of their, their abilities, even how they look. I think the, the way Dr. Fate looks with the gold helmet is, is, is so cool, and, and I really hope that in some kind of way we'll maybe see him again in the future. Um, Hawkman, of course, there's a lot of parallels to Falcon. Uh, I think his suit and I think his actual wings in this film were actually... Uh, in my opinion, cooler and more entertaining to see it in action than I think Falcon, just my opinion. Overall, I prefer the Falcon character. I prefer uh, Sam Wilson. Um, But yeah, so um, the story of this film, like I'm even trying to explain it off the top of my head and I can't even fully really do that. I can't even really like think about it off the top of my head. Basically, Black Adam goes against the JSA. Then towards the end of the film, there's this ultra greater threat that has to you know, that, that requires even more manpower against it. Uh, and then we have the JSA and Black Adam team up together. And then there's questions of, you know, you know, ethics and morality with Black Adam being a hero. Is he a hero? Is he not? He kills people, but does he only kill bad people? So, of course, very common tropes and themes that you've seen in a lot of superhero films. 
And, you know, just to talk about The Rock's performance, I thought he was fine. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, obviously no Oscar-worthy performance or anything like that. But, I mean, I think his performance was, was, was pretty good. Um, he's a lot more serious in this film than he is in, in maybe some of his uh, uh, previous roles. But just to talk about The Rock for a second, you know, he is such a great promoter and... That is something I, I do want to give him credit for because oftentimes with these superhero films that come out, you see that there's a lot of press happening and, and the actors are getting asked questions and whatnot. And is it just me or do some of these actors seem just unenthusiastic to even be a part of the project? Or they're, they're, they're all giving very kind of like, you know, black and white answers. Just like, yeah, you know, like, but with The Rock, like his enthusiasm as he discusses the films in interview for Black Adam, it's infectious. And that in and of itself will bring in more audiences and bring in more people because they're going to see him talk about the film in interviews. And they're going to be like, wow, like he's, he's really confident in it. He's really excited about it. You know, he like, I want to go see it. I want to go see if it's as good as he thinks it is. So that is one thing that I, that I admire a lot because you could tell that he's very proud of this film, whether, you know, everybody loves it or not. He's proud of this film. He's excited for audiences to see it. And he knows that this film has been a long time coming because I think Black Adam was announced like over 10 years ago. And it's pretty much just kind of been like a wait and see up until then. So uh, overall, I think I addressed all my points in regards to Black Adam. Um, I'm excited to see him in the future in other films. And, uh, you know, I think the future's looking bright for DC. And I think that, you know, if all goes well, we can maybe, you know, have two cinematic universes that we can be excited for. We have, of course, Marvel and what they're doing, building up with the multiverse saga. And then who knows what the, with the ultra greater threat, maybe they'll reintroduce Darkseid. I've heard rumors that Black Adam himself will be like the main kind of uh, antagonist that the cinematic universe is revolving around. I don't believe so because I think it is... Well, throughout the film, they kind of make you question as an audience member, you know, is he a hero or not? I think by the end, I would consider him a hero. Um, maybe a darker hero, maybe even trending towards anti-hero, but I definitely wouldn't call him a villain at all or even an antagonist, just in my opinion. Uh, last thing to address, I almost forgot about this, the Henry Cavill Superman uh news and post credit scene. The post credit scene was cool. Uh, I mean, I wasn't jumping out of my chair. Me personally, I've never been uh, that big of a fan of the Superman character. I, I, I personally just feel like he is so overpowered and there's nothing about his character that is incredibly relatable to audiences. Like he's this alien from outer space. I guess the only thing you could say about him that's relatable is the fact that when he is in society, he feels like an outsider. He feels alienated, which, I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll give him credit. That That is something that some people do feel. You know, even from time to time in, in my early years, I've felt like that before as well. So, you know, that is something that, that, that can be related to audiences. But overall, I feel like his film or his character is just so powerful that it's just hard to tell a compelling story and have an adversary go up against him that's actually going to challenge him without it just being a very formulaic like this is the superhero of the movie that we got we just need a reason for superman to you know go head to head with somebody so um you know 
I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Henry Cavill because there is official news that he is fully back as Superman, not even just for a cameo. Apparently, he's re-signed for a multi-picture film deal, and apparently, he's going to be getting his own film, like his own sequel to Man of Steel. And, you know, I, I like Man of Steel. Um, I haven't really seen any of the other superheroes. I haven't seen Superman Returns. I haven't seen the Christopher Reeve Superman. Uh, so, you know, as we hear more about it, maybe I'll get more excited um, but yeah, that's pretty much all my thoughts in regards to Black Adam. Uh, let me know how you guys feel, you know, give your letter grade. I'd probably give it a solid B, you know, not a B minus, not a B plus, just kind of like a solid B. I thought it was a thrilling, fun ride. The action scenes were incredible. That If you're going into this film looking for just to be entertained, you will be entertained. I promise you that. All right, guys, let's transition to Marvel and talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. So, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania has been a film that I've been very, very excited for ever since the announcement that Jonathan Majors as Kang would be essentially the main antagonist of this film. And a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads like, you're going to have Kang be the villain of an Ant-Man movie? And I think now we're starting to see why that's the case. Um, I think from a story perspective, what's likely going to happen and what I've heard through leaks and rumors is that Ant-Man is trying to control the center of time in the quantum realm, and he needs Scott Lang's help to help him do that, uh, but hes I, I doubt he's really going to give Scott Lang an option. I feel like he's probably just going to try and you know use his threat, use his abilities to try and make him his sort of like puppet to, to sort of do whatever he wants. Who knows? I could be way off with the story, but uh, this is a film that I've been very, very excited for. It comes out right around my birthday, and the trailer for it just came out. Uh, today and it wasn't the same trailer that was dropped at comic-con i could i could just tell uh, there was a lot of new scenes a lot of scenes from the comic-con trailer that weren't um in this film or in this trailer rather even the last scene where it showed that close-up of kang of jonathan majors it was a completely different line in the d23 comic-con trailer that they showed i think kang said he talked about the Avengers, he talked about how, you know, he's seen, you know, he's fought them before and they all eventually go, which is a killer line, by the way. Um, and then, he, of course, he says, you know, are you, uh, uh, you're an Avenger, have I killed you before? That is such a cool line. It's too bad we didn't get to see that in this trailer. Maybe they're holding out on that for the next trailer. Uh, who knows? I Although, I doubt it because it looks like that was the same shot, maybe just a like, sorry, that was the same scene. Maybe they just did multiple takes for the trailer. We all know that Marvel loves to kind of mislead us with these trailers. So maybe when we see the film, it'll be that line from that trailer. Who knows? But this film looks incredible. And I want to give a shout out to the art team, to the visual effects team. This looks like it took a lot of work. Just the scale and the artistic elements of the quantum realm. It does look different from the quantum realm that we visited in the other Ant-Man films. Um, but it looks better. I think there's more detail. There's more life breathed into it. There's literal more life. We've, we, we see that there's other characters that, you know, very reminiscent of characters we've seen in like the guardians of the galaxy world from these other planets. Um, I, I just think it looks incredibly exciting. Of course, Ant-Man himself, he's one of my favorite characters in the MCU. I think his first film uh, that introduced him was probably... It, it, it's probably top 10 for me. I, I, I really do think it's underrated. Smaller in scale, but I think a pretty good story and very good performances across the board. We have 
Mike, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer coming back. We have Michael Douglas coming back. And we have a new actress playing Scott Lang's daughter. Uh, she was recasted from uh, Avengers Endgame. I'm not too sure why. Maybe they just felt the better actress. Who knows? Uh, I can't re really remember her name, but... I want to talk about Kang for a sec, because Kang is a villain that I am so fucking excited for. Just the actor himself, Jonathan Majors, he's just popping off in Hollywood. We're seeing him get role after role after role. He's in the new Creed film. We know that he's going to be playing Dennis Rodman in an upcoming biopic about him. He's a great actor. He is really phenomenal. Um, his line delivery is amazing. Like I said, if, if you can even find it, go on YouTube and look for the San Diego Comic-Con uh, trailer that they showed for this film. It is different, like I said, but the final couple lines he delivers towards the end, like, um, you're an Avenger, have I killed you before? And he's like, you know, they all go together after a while. That, that just sent chills down my spine. Um, like I said, I, I'm really hoping we get to see that, that trailer as the next trailer, maybe. Um, but just the quantum realm, like I said, in general, we see that Kang has this army. If you look very, very closely, it almost looks like they're all dressed like him. They all have the the sort of blue helmet. Um, maybe not like the maybe not the same kind of clothing, but they all kind of look the same. Uh, and and I'm I'm curious as to what's going to happen at the end of this film because I doubt Ant Man is going to actually defeat Kang because we know that Kang is going to be one of if not the main villain for this next saga. I'm sure Doctor Doom will be introduced in Wakanda Forever because there's a lot of rumors about that and I believe them, but. So I don't think that he will be defeated in this film, but something has to happen at the end of this film. Who knows? Maybe they're going to end on some crazy cliffhanger. I don't think Scott Lang is going to die. Or maybe because... Maybe... Maybe because we know that Jonathan Majors is going to be returning in multiple other projects, maybe this version of Kang gets defeated, and then Scott Lang's like, oh, you know, another one... Another one gone, and then he finds out that, oh, there's like an infinite amount of Kangs. Who knows? I'm speculating at this point. Uh, but I'm really, really excited for this film. This kicks off Phase 5, and the director, Peyton Reed, has expressed how this film is going to change the course of the MCU permanently moving forward. So, of course, you know, we always hear discussions like that uh, moving into a, heading into a Marvel film. So, no surprise. But, nonetheless, it is very exciting to hear that. Uh, and... They dropped this pretty early. I didn't expect them to drop it so soon. No less right before another Marvel film is coming out shortly. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But, you know, I, I guess they want to get the hype train rolling. I mean, the film is only four or five months out. So I guess it's not too far off. But, yeah, let me know what you guys think about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Are you excited for this film? Are you excited to see Kang? I think his costume looked incredible. I wonder if his costume is practical like if he's actually wearing that or if he of course had to wear the motion motion capture suit uh, i'm sure for some scenes he probably did but for that shot it looked incredibly real and if it isn't real then once again hats off to the visual effects team because they did a fantastic job but let's move on now to creed 3 i've been a pretty big fan of the creed franchise uh, not as big of a fan as the rocky franchise it just kind of wasn't my time um, or I guess wasn't in my generation. Um, I mean, nonetheless, I still watch older films, but wasn't as interested as in uh, in Rocky. But with Creed, I've I've really enjoyed these two films that we've had. The first one is probably still my favorite, and this trailer for the for the third film, the third uh, installment in this franchise, looks incredible. This film looks like it could be the best one, and we have Michael B. Jordan not only 
starring in the film as Adonis Creed, but he's actually making his directorial debut and he's going to be directing this film. So a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure on him, but I'm confident in him. I mean, he's worked in this industry for uh, over 10, 15 years. So I'm, I'm sure he's probably seen and, and, and worked with some fantastic directors and picked up on some different techniques and skills. So now he's probably developed so many different tools in his toolbox. I think he's he must have felt that he was ready to kind of take on this franchise. And what a better way to start than the Creed franchise because he's familiar with it. He's familiar with the characters. He knows what he wants. He knows the story. And he knows what, what decisions need to be made. Uh, so good for him. He looks great. He looks jacked. And then once again, we have Jonathan Majors, who I was just talking about with, uh, with Ant-Man. He is an incredible actor. And I think he once again looks... Like he's going to knock it out of the park in this film. He's playing the uh, antagonist of this film. At least that's what it looks like. And the story to me of this third Creed film is actually, I think, probably the most intriguing thing for me. And it really does kind of go back to the first film. Um, and it looks like to me what's happening is that uh, Damien, which is the character that Jonathan Majors is playing, was serving an 18-year sentence, and he was one of Adonis' friends when they when they were young kids in juvenile detention center. And that's how we were introduced to Adonis Creed in that first film. He was just a kid in juvie. Um, and I guess at that time, him and Damien were like best friends. And then eventually Adonis left, and then, you know, the rest is history. He became a famous world, world champion fighter. And throughout that time, Damien was behind bars, and, and he had to just watch from the sideline uh, so to speak, and, and just sort of hear about the success that his best friend or one once was his best friend was having, because of course they I'm sure they lost connection. And he even expresses that in, in the uh in the trailer that like you didn't come visit me, none of that. So it looks like throughout this time, maybe some jealousy, maybe some envy was built up uh, you know, from Damien's character. And now that he's out, he wants a chance to prove what he's capable of what he's capable of as a fighter. And, you know, the time that he spent in prison, he trained. And, of course, Jonathan Majors is an absolute peak physical shape. Um, a lot of people and a lot of fans speculated that he got in that shape for Ant-Man. Uh, I actually think that was more to do with this film. Because this film, I feel like, will probably require a lot more shirtless scenes than Quantumania does. If any, if Quantumania even has any shirtless scenes. I think the majority of the time we're going to see that character is going to be in the Kang costume, but yeah, I think this film looks exciting, it looks like it could honestly be the best one in the franchise, will this be the last one, probably not, there are probably, there's, there's probably going to be like four or five more, who knows, um, that was just, I'm drinking iced coffee by the way, for those of you that are listening, <laughs> uh, so where was I here, yeah, um, I, I think this looks great, it comes out in March, Third, I believe, of next year. So, yeah, next year is going to be killer for movies, man. We got Oppenheimer, we got Quantumania, we got uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm probably forgetting some other films. I know David Fincher had a film called The Killers. I think that got pushed to next year. So we have quite a few exciting films to look forward to next year. But yeah, Creed Three. Let me know what you guys are thinking. Are you excited for this film? Are you not? Are, you know, tell me where you tell me where your head's at with it down in the comments below. Now we're gonna move on. We got some Batman news. We got some Batman spinoff films. Now, when I say spinoff films, I mean spinoff films from the Matt Reeves Batman film that we've just got. So it now seems like 
Matt Reeves is sort of like the main producer and the sort of Kevin Feige, if you will, of the Batman Cinematic Universe. So let's go ahead and talk about that. So before I get into more detail about these spinoffs, I'm going to actually read the official article from The Hollywood Reporter from Boris Kitt. Uh, and he spoke about this announcement and saying, quote, the filmmaker, referring to Matt Reeves, is meeting with writers and producers and directors, or sorry, is, let me restart that. <laughs> the filmmaker is meeting with the writers and directors to build out movies. Yes, movies, not just series, focus on Batman's rogues gallery, both established and more obscure with characters ranging from the Scarecrow to Clayface to Professor Pig. All those projects are in the early stages of gestation. Okay. So, I have a couple of thoughts on this. <clears throat> the, the first of which is the potential is exciting. Uh, especially with Matt Reeves not directing these projects. Because, of course, as the, as the article just annotated, he's looking for directors and looking for writers. But the fact that his vision and his hand and his sort of like creative style is going to be on these projects and involved with these projects that does excite me because the potential that this that we could you know the different stories that we could see in this world that Matt Reese has built is very exciting because I think the Gotham City that was shown to us in that first Batman film is almost a character in and of itself and throughout Gotham City there are different characters and there are different storylines that we could explore so the potential of that the potential to see these different spin-offs with these other as the article said more obscure characters that does intrigue me quite a bit but here is where my concern comes in right so these characters that uh, the article mentioned here, uh, Scarecrow, Clayface, and Professor Pig. These are Batman antagonists. And what my concern with these projects and these separate films developing these characters, my concern is that it, it really does kind of remind me of what Sony is doing. Now, I know that these are two different uh, studios, two different creatives behind this. But, you know, if we just look at what Sony is doing right now, you know, developing their rogues gallery, if you will, of Spider-Man villains, many of them have gotten their own uh, solo spin-off films. Like, of course, uh, Venom, uh, he's well into his own franchise with his two films. And then we have the Morbius, of course. And now we know that Craven the Hunter is coming. And then we have an El Murto film coming. And we have Madame Web, although Madame Web isn't... isn't uh, She's not an antagonist. She's uh, she's actually more of a supporting character to help Spider-Man. So um, with the exception of her, we have basically three, four, excuse me, um, Spider-Man villains and possibly even more being developed. And the issue with this specifically is that with when you have a film... And you're developing projects that are all about the antagonist surrounding one specific hero. What happens is that in their respective films, you build these characters up to almost become protagonists. To almost become heroes in and of themselves. And then eventually you understand as an audience member that they're building up to this inevitable fight to go against whatever respective hero is you know, of that universe. And then the problem with that is like the audience now 
knows these characters and they're familiar with these characters as heroes because that's what they've been built up to 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 be right like if you look at venom venom in my eyes isn't even really an antagonist anymore i look at him and eddie brock as a hero right i i honestly he could stand side by side and be part of the avengers for for all we know like that is how they've developed him they haven't developed him to really be an adversary to spider-man so then when that happens it's almost not even going to be natural. It's not going to be organic. It's going to be artificial. It's going to be forced. And that's my issue. And that's my potential concern with these characters. These characters, I mean, maybe these projects won't even happen. I mean, we hear every week about a new film that's being developed and oftentimes they just don't happen. So that could be the case. But I'm, I mean, I'm pretty confident that these are going to happen just because of the success that we saw in Matt Reeves had not only with Batman, but a lot of people forget he directed the last two Planet of the Apes films, which did very, very well financially for Warner Brothers. So I, I think these are going to happen. And I'm just concerned that we're going to get these films of Clayface, Professor Pig, uh, Scarecrow, and they're going to develop these characters. They're going to make the audience grow attached to them. And we're going to be cheering for them. And then when that inevitable you know, interaction between them and Batman happens, it's going to be like, okay, who do we root for here? Like, Bat, we know who Batman is, but he's fighting these characters that we've now seen previously, and we've seen them victorious in their films, and it's just, it's going to be this weird sort of like, you're going to be asking the audience a lot, in my opinion, to kind of differentiate like, and, and like I said, if they just throw these characters in another Batman film eventually, and then then they're suddenly evil, and then it, then it's just going to be out of character, right? So I don't know. That is my concern. Um, but then again, I I am kind of looking at it from a very kind of close-minded perspective because I'm just looking at what Sony's done, and Sony and the Spider-Man universe and the Batman universe are two completely separate things. So. I'm looking at it very cynically, if that's even a word. Um, uh, I'm looking at it from a very cynical perspective, I guess would be the better way to, to, to form that sentence. But yeah, um, but, but as I mentioned, on the other hand, this could also be very, very intriguing and they could do this right. They could do this in a way that allows for a lot of creative freedom to let these actual villains be villains like you can make a super villain story separate like you can make a super villain movie and actually have them be villains the problem is is that if you give you know scarecrow for example his own film and then you put him up against a villain for his movie then you're essentially making what is a villain you're now making this more of an anti-hero right which i'm not the biggest fan of personally for me so I'm going to try and remain, um, I'm going to try and remain optimistic given that this is Matt Reeves sort of overseeing these projects, but I do have my concerns, but I'm going to try to reserve full judgment until I hear more about the details of these projects. But, you know, maybe I'm kind of being a little too, I don't know, nihilistic here about the potential of these. Let me know what you guys think about this down in the comments below. Um, but now we're going to move on to some Marvel stuff. We're kind of bouncing back and forth this episode between Marvel and between DC. But um, let's address Blade. So I'm not going to lie. This is kind of older news. Uh, I'm sure many of you at this point have probably heard about this stuff regarding Blade and the Marvel delays and stuff. But 
I've been pretty busy uh, in my own personal life. There's been some things going on. Nothing bad. Actually, quite good to be quite honest with you. But it's required a lot of my attention. So I didn't really have time to cover this stuff. But I mean, fuck it. Whatever. I'm going to give my thoughts. Uh, we're just going to roll with it. So Blade. Let's address Blade. So this comes from The Hollywood Reporter. This article was written by Aaron Couch and Boris Kitts. Uh, quote, Blade, which has a set, which has a release date of November 3rd, 2023, was gearing up to begin shooting in November in Atlanta. It is unclear how Tarek's departure will impact the production start of the vampire action thriller, which has Oscar winner Mahershala Ali in the title role. With the cast also including Delroy Lindo and old actor Aaron Pierre. Uh, the quote went on to say, dude, uh, this, here, let me see here. Oh yeah. So this was a statement that came from Marvel, uh, due to continued shifts in our production schedule, Basm, he's referring to the former director of the film is no longer moving forward as director of blade, but will remain an executive producer of the film. Marvel said in a statement to the Hollywood reporter, we appreciate Basm's talent and all the work he's done getting blade to where it is. So I guess I didn't really kind of preface what I was about to read for the, for those of you who don't know, there has been some kind of production drama when it comes to Marvel's upcoming blade. Uh, the director dropped out of the or dropped I say that in air quotes he dropped out of the project several months or a couple months before the film was supposed to start shooting uh, I think the yeah as the article said it was supposed to start shooting November I believe um now there's a, there's some rumors as to what actually happened in terms of why he left the project some people just think that Kevin Feige just just booted him out and, and, and apparently a lot of that had to do with the script now he didn't write the script but apparently some of the suggestions he had to save or salvage the script because apparently the script for this film was really bad it was apparently only 90 pages long had like two as people are calling it lackluster action scenes and apparently Mahershala Ali was not happy at all with the script and then the director tried to step in Basim Tarek and he tried to say like you know we could do this we could do that and apparently the suggestions were just not doing it any favors either so they came to some creative differences and so either maybe he voluntarily left the project or maybe uh, maybe it's a mutual decision or maybe kevin feige just said you know what i just think it's not going to work out thank you for your help you can stay on as executive producer and we'll find somebody else who knows but it's clearly not going as planned and it kind of sucks because this is a project that i am incredibly excited for i think blade has the potential to be one of one of the most interesting characters, new interesting characters in the MCU. And for the simple fact that you have Mahershala Ali attached to this role, you know, it's not easy getting actors as talented as him to come into the superhero genre because we all know that a lot of people in Hollywood have a prejudice against this genre. Of course, Martin Scorsese and many others have expressed their distaste and how you know, the superhero genre takes away from other films and whatnot. We've all heard it before. I think it's, I personally don't agree with those views. I just think a, a good film is a good film at the end of the day. If you can tell a good story, you have, you can't blame the audiences for, you know, wanting to see your film. Just as on the other side of the token, when you tell a good story about, you know, more of an independent film, if it's a good story and it draws audiences in, you can't blame audiences for wanting to go see that film over a superhero film. So it goes both ways, but the fact that you have Mahershala Ali, who right now, the current MCU actors and actresses, you could argue that Mahershala Ali is the most talented actor in the MCU. Um, now, I know he's not in the MCU yet, but I mean, technically he is. He had that little post credit scene at Eternals. So you have 
one of the most talented there is working in Hollywood today. And the fact that it hasn't really seemed like Blade has been a priority for Marvel. Now I understand Marvel's got a long list of projects that they're all trying to work together. But you know, Blade should be up there. Like I said, you have an, an extremely once-in-a-lifetime talented actor at your fingertips. You've signed him. You have him. If you fuck around too long and you take too long to get this film made, this guy's going to say, see him. I got to make other movies. I got other people wanting to work with me. So they got to get a director fast. And I'm sure Marvel behind the scenes is already talking to many, many directors. And it's not uncommon for Marvel to find a director that's not necessarily well known to the general public. Uh, but the director that they had before, Basim Tarek, I looked at his IMDb and, and he's really kind of, you know, uh, unknown, if you will. Now, I don't want to sound like a dick. I'm unknown. Nobody knows who the fuck I am. But I mean, in terms of Marvel and, and sort of the, the talent that they found, you know, you could even point to other directors. Like if you look at James Gunn, even he had a couple of films that had some kind of an audience. And Basim Tarek did have some projects, but he was like very, very unknown compared to some of the other unknown, I say in air quotes, directors that Marvel has got. So, you know, I really hope that they kind of swing for the fences and, you know, bump up the the, 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 the Brinks truck and find someone that's a really talented director. You know, apparently Mahershala Ali is still on board with this film. Apparently he's, he's helping in that search of finding a new director. So he's almost now, uh, he's almost acting as a producer now of this film. Uh, so I really hope they can find a director quickly because if, if they take too long and this project just becomes a total mess, I would not be surprised if Mahershala Ali walks. I really am hoping that doesn't happen, but you know, fingers crossed, let, let's hope for the best. But let me know what you guys think uh, about the whole Blade drama. Um, you know, are you kind of worried that Mahershala, or do you think Mahershala is even going to end up being this character or remaining as this character before the film even comes out? You know, who knows? I'm going to remain optimistic, but let me know down in the comments below. So once all the news regarding Blade and the whole production stuff that we just talked about happened, shortly afterwards, Marvel announced that several of their other upcoming films had to be delayed as well. I assume it probably is the result of Blade getting delayed since these films are so kind of connected. And since it's a cinematic universe, if one film comes out, you know, if the schedule changes, that film is then, you know, connected to another film and then it kind of fucks up the whole timeline in the story. So then I'm sure it was kind of like a domino effect or, you know, some of these films getting delayed could have been a decision that was already made a while ago. And maybe it's just a coincidence that it came out shortly after that. Who knows? But this article comes from Variety. It was written by Rebecca Rubin. Uh, quote, plus icon as part of the shuffle blade has moved from November 3rd, 2023 to November 6th, 2024, which created a ripple on the rest of the MCU. Deadpool 3 has relocated from September 6th, 2024 to November 8th, 2024. Fantastic 4 has shifted from November 8th, 2024 to then February 14th, 2025. And an untitled Marvel film has been pushed to February 14th, 2025 uh, to November 5th, 2025. And then Avengers Secret Wars has been delayed from November 7th, 2025 to May 1st, 2026. And another untitled Marvel film uh, set for May 1st, 2026 has been removed from Disney's calendar. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, let's kind of start uh, let's start with Deadpool here. Deadpool only moved a couple months to November 8th. Not, not really a big deal. Um, 
Fantastic Four moved from all the way from November 8th to February 14th to the next year. That's that's a big deal. That pushes the film even that much further away. We're now three years away from this film, which is crazy. And, you know, looking back, I'm not as surprised now that we didn't hear any of the cast about Fantastic Four at D23. It still would have been exciting, of course. Um, you know, I... I, I I'm still disappointed we didn't hear about anything, but I can understand it now a little bit better now that we've got this announcement and the film is even further ahead than we think. Now, I do believe that they have uh, some of the people cast it already, maybe not the full cast of the Fantastic Four, but I do believe that they have the Reed Richards. I believe that they have their Sue Storm, uh, but that remains to be seen. Um, So yeah, that moves quite a bit. And then after that, we have an untitled Marvel film. We don't know what that is quite yet. Uh, and then we have Avengers Secret Wars. That moves pretty much an entire year. So now, but when Avengers King Dynasty comes out, because that film still has its release date for, uh, I think it's May of 2025. Um, now that film is going to have a year. Um, it's going to be like Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. Infinity War came out, then there were, we had to wait a year until we got Endgame, so we were kind of left scrapping at the bit for details, news, and it basically looks like that's going to be the same kind of schedule for Avengers Secret Wars. It's basically going to come out an entire year after uh, Kang Dynasty. And you know what? I think this is actually a good move. Two Avengers films in the same year, not to mention that year is 2025, that is not far from now at all. I was always kind of concerned that that is going to be a lot. They're, they're, they would have to have start filming both of these films back to back almost immediately. And I, I I mean, I was almost sure they were going to have to delay one of these films. I mean, they just started to announce that they've, you know, that they found the writer. So like they haven't even wrote the scripts of these films yet. Like if they really wanted to make that 2025 release, they would have had to start filming next year. Like both of those films. Not to mention, some of these characters in these Avengers films still have their films to come out. Like, the schedule wouldn't have even made sense at all. Um, And Secret Wars is a massive story, and I want to see that film done right. That film, if done correctly, will be better than Infinity War and Endgame. I can almost guarantee you, you know, the possibilities of what they can do is incredible. And I'm not even just talking about the cameos. I'm talking about the story itself, the story of Battleworld, the incursions, you know, uh, 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 the Beyonder, Doctor Doom. Like, that is such a rich story to tell. There's so many different versions of in different directions they could go. They can go from the Jonathan Hickman run from uh, 2015, I think. Or they could go all the way back to the 80s when they did the first run of Secret Wars, when Spider-Man got the symbiote suit. So, like, I want to see that done right. And I want to see them take their time with it. Um, so, I think this is a positive move to shift it up to 2026. That That's now a lot more reasonable for them to start shooting these films. I'm sure they'll definitely shoot them back to back. But now they don't have that pressure of, like... I mean, if you really think about it, 2025... Like that's that, that's like right around the corner. So now they don't have to worry about that kind of up and coming schedule coming even closer and closer. Now they have a little bit more breathing room. And I think this is actually better news, not just for the cast. But I think this is better news for the visual effects artists because there's been rumors that they've been just hung dry and they've been worked to the bone. Uh, and I think now this is going to definitely give them a lot more time to flesh out the visual effects because that film is going to be vis- all visual effects. Like the, it's it's going to be crazy. Um, so I think this is a positive move. Even Kang Dynasty, like 
I could even see that film getting delayed because, like I said, that 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 that's that's right around the corner, and they just started working on the script for that film. I don't know. I mean, then again, if they delay King Dynasty, they're probably going to then have to delay Secret Wars again. So, I mean, they could definitely do it. I think I think now it puts them in a much safer, much healthier position. Um, and just to kind of continue talking about Secret Wars for a second, there is no director officially announced yet. Uh, there's been rumors that, you know, it could be Ryan Coogler. I'll be honest with you. Like, look, let me just address that, actually. If Ryan Coogler was announced as the director for this film, I wouldn't be worried at all. And, and I would think it's actually a pretty good pick. I think Ryan Coogler has definitely earned his stripes, not only as a director in the MCU, just as a director himself. I mean, you look at Fruitvale Station, you look at the Creed films. Like, this guy is an auteur. He is a fantastic director. Um, and I definitely wouldn't, you know, be disappointed with that pick. However... I would still say that my pick for Secret Wars would be the Russo brothers. Now, a lot of people could say, well, that's the safe pick, right? I don't even think it's a safe pick, right? Just look at what he did with, excuse me, look at what he did with Infinity War and Endgame. And you've you've heard them in interviews before talk about their excitement and talk about their passion for Secret Wars. So they clearly know what that story is about and they know what that story is capable of. So the passion is there. Not to say if a new director came on, they wouldn't do the research themselves. But you could just see the inherent love that the Russo brothers have for Marvel and specifically Secret Wars. And we know what they're capable of behind the camera. So... For me personally, they would still probably be my personal pick. And I even think that they probably will uh, officially be directing that film. But we'll have to wait and see. But anyways, guys, I think that is going to wrap up today's podcast of Unbashful. It was a pretty pretty big one. Hoping to get some more episodes done later this month. Maybe even some kind of Halloween episode. We'll have to see how my schedule looks uh for the rest of the month but if you stuck around for this long i want to thank you very much for listening and watching as always remember you could find this podcast on all streaming services apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, amazon audible music whatever that platform is everywhere you could find it if you don't have time to watch the show here on youtube Guys, I would really appreciate it if you liked the video, subscribe, help push this out in the algorithm. It's it's very tough these days trying to trying to get your name out there on YouTube. So any support you guys can show would be greatly appreciated. Of course, you don't have to, but I really really would appreciate it if you stuck around this long and you enjoyed the podcast. But anyways, guys, stay safe, stay happy, stay stay do well, be great, enjoy yourselves, have a great night. That was a long-winded outro. I'll see you on the next one.